0: Welcome to the Archive Room Podcast. The Nation Station My, Judith Lay here, once again opening the door to the Archive Room, Manx Radio's treasure chest of stories of island life from years gone by, told by the people who were there. So, come on in, and let me take you for another gentle stroll down Manx memory lane. It's so good to be back for an autumn amble around the Manx Radio Archive, eavesdropping on conversations with more wonderful characters. Tonight, we meet the very first female resident to move into Cummel Moor on Ramsey Promenade when it opened its doors in 1981. And if you don't want to be stuck at home as the nights start to draw in, then going to night school is a great way to have fun and meet new friends. And it's particularly rewarding when you're 91, as Mrs Leonora Smallwood explained to wonderfully skilled interviewer David Collister. But I'm racing ahead. Let's go back to Leonora Smallwood's childhood in Liverpool, where she was born in 1905.
1: We would be in Liverpool then, and you'd be what, four or five? Oh, I remember.
2: Uh, what do you remember
1: of that time?
2: Well, mother used to get me dressed up and dad used to take me out. He was in the shipping business then, changing foreign money. And he used to take me down to the Liverpool landing stage when the great big boats were there. But he'd take me down on a Sunday. And he'd leave me at a little cafe along the Liverpool landing stage. Well, it was called a Cocoa Rooms those
1: days. Mm-hmm.
2: And it was the Miss Lizzie's. That was the name of it, Miss Lizzie's, two sisters. And they had a grey parrot. And I used to love this grey parrot. And I used to go in there and sit and... Uh, talk to them and talk to them and then my dad would collect me he'd go on a tender out to the boat in the middle of the mersey there and change the all the different people's monies and then come back and then he'd go to the bank on the monday with it
1: now your father in your father's family there was an italian background was not Yes.
2: his father he didn't get married till he was 46 really and he married somebody 16 and they had five children i think it was yes Yes, that
1: was his father yes
2: well, I've brought back to mind my father's bad temper. Oh. <laughs> he got a terrible temper. Yeah. Yes, he was a lovely man. <laughs> that would be the Italian.
1: Oh, yes, you know. of course. Yes. See? A bit but, hot-headed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. You've come through two world wars. Now, what do you remember of the time of the First World War?
2: The First World War? Mm. Well, I can remember when it was declared, war was declared. I can remember my dad coming home in an absolute blah, Yeah. And uh, taking me along, I think it was Picton Road, I'm not sure, Smithdown Road, somewhere up there in, in Wavertory, Liverpool, yeah. and going into umpteen shops and buying sugar. And we got sugar those days in, uh, there'd be a piece of, Paper about that big square on the counter, yeah. and they used to put the sugar in and then roll the bag up like this, yes. and put the sugar in the bag like that,
1: in a cone shape. A
2: cone shaped
1: bag, right?
2: And screw the bottom end. Yeah. I can remember that. Yeah. I can remember standing in the shop watching them screwing the bottom yes, end because everything back.
1: was loose in the shops, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Biscuits and all.
1: Mm, that's
2: right. And one big tin of broken biscuits. You could have so many broken biscuits.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Where did you go to school then?
2: When I was about going on six, yes, mother was expecting another little girl, or another baby, rather, Mm. and uh, they uh, packed me off to the Isle of Man, to Grandma and Grandpa, who'd retired and come over here, lived in Baldrheim. Sunny cot. It was only a shack, really, those days. (laughs) The water ran out in the garden, over a slate... And they used to catch it and take it into the house and no laid-on water. Then they bought a house in Royal Avenue, Anken, number two. And I stayed there until I was 11. I went to the convent in Finch Road, yes. Oh, I'm really half man I? <laughs> I? love the island. There. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So I always have done. It was lovely. Crowds and crowds and crowds of people along the prom. Oh, it was marvellous. I used to go down on Port Jack. That's my favourite halt there. It was oh. when I was a wee girl. I used to sit there for hours on the beach on my own. Have you ever seen going down to Port yeah. Jack? Well, I used to be about six and seven, and I used to go down there myself and sit down there and play sweet shops with all little little stones and shiny glass and stuff You
1: then went back I was sent to boarding
2: school then when I went back I was sent to Marymount Convent Liscard, Wallasey.
1: Did you enjoy it?
2: No, I hated it I don't like convents but I was at a convent and that was it We used to get up at half past six in the morning and we used to have to go to communion every morning I used to go to confession and I used to make up sins because I didn't know any I'd done (laughs)
1: What did you eat in those days?
2: Well, we got a lot of um, cabbage stuff. Uh, I never liked any of it. I didn't like any food at all. I'm not a great eater now.
1: Mm. What was the intention for life for a young girl in those days then? Just to get married and have children, was it? Or were people thinking about careers or not?
2: I don't think I ever thought about anything. (laughs) No. (laughs) I went to the Underwood School of Shorthand Typing. It was first opened by an American, and uh, I went there, and I did six months there. I passed out, and then I went to my father's office, and I worked there. And then when father gave up his business, I took temporary jobs. I loved temporary jobs.
1: What did you do for entertainment when you were growing up?
2: Dancing. Loved dancing. Anywhere I could go. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to a dancing class as well. I was going to go on the stage, on the Royal Court Theatre, and my father wouldn't allow me to go, so oh. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't able to go. Oh, yeah. there was ructions for ages. Was there? Sulking and all kinds. <laughs> However, I got over it. I was to be the comer. I went on on a ballet dress and everything, two toot on the floor, and then I had to say, once upon a time, you know, and then introduce them. Yes, that I wasn't allowed. You so. weren't
1: allowed.: yeah.
2: And indeed, who knows where a
0: single stage appearance might have led, as Leonora shows considerable performance ability in reciting from memory this poem learned in childhood:
2: "A chieftain to the Highlands Bound," cries, "Boatman, do not tarry, for I will give you a silver pound to row us all the ferry." Now who be ye would cross Loch Gile this dark and stormy water? Oh, I'm the chief of Ulver's Isle, and this Lord Ellen's daughter. And fast before her father's men, three days we fled together, for should he find us in the glen, my blood would stain the heather. Out spoke the hardy Highland White I'll go, my chief, I'm ready. ready. Tis not for your silver bright, but for your winsome lady. And by my word, the bonny birds in danger shall not tarry for though the waves are raging white, I'll row you o'er the ferry. The boat has left a stormy land, a stormy sea before her, when oh too strong for human hands, the tempest gathered o'er her. Lord Ellen reached that fatal shore, his wrath was turned to wailing, for sore dismayed through storm and shade, his child he did discover. One lovely hand she stretched for aid, and one was round her lover.
1: Oh, Leonora Smallwood, absolutely marvellous, and obviously with a remarkable memory then.
2: It is fairly good. <laughs> yeah. It's little things I forget. I was fairly late getting married. I was 28 when I got married mm. to Our Lady of Good Help in uh, Wavertree. Mm. On a beautiful day, it was absolutely a lovely day. We'd had a heatwave. And all the week before, I was praying that the heatwave wouldn't break before my wedding, and it didn't. (laughs) And we went down to London. When we got to London, it was raining. So that was quite all right. Oh, yes, right. (laughs) The war wasn't on then. June the 3rd. I was married at uh, 1934 June the third 1934
1: well that was the period that was a good period really between the wars wasn't it yes that was nice then yes mm. my
2: husband had got a job down in Kent and we went down to live there we lived in Kent my first two children were born in Kent so mm. they're Kentish Cubs really
1: uh-huh. but you were back in Liverpool for the Second World War then were you was your third child born when you were back in Liverpool
2: yes and that was when the war broke out
1: yeah.
2: I was in the hospital down in Kent with rheumatic fever at the time, and I'd had the two little girls then, and I hadn't got John then. After the second little girl was born, I got what they called rheumatic fever, and I was in hospital. And I can remember one of the papers coming into the hospital with war War, war, written right out. And everybody was in a flap, you know, I can yeah. remember that. And then my husband had to take me home from hospital because I wasn't that bad that I needed a bed and they mm. wanted all the beds. Of course, and yes. yeah. And then the only thing he could think of doing was going back to Liverpool to my mother and father and share a house with them right. because I couldn't I couldn't pick a teapot up. No. I was so bad with the thing. Yeah. And I'd got the two children then. We got back to Liverpool, we went to mother and father's And uh, then Cyril got a job, and uh, then we got a house. And it was very expensive. It was 21 shillings a week. It was a lovely house, too, (laughs) on the Tarbuck Road, Heighton.
1: When did you actually come to the Isle of Man to live, then?
2: When was it? I don't remember dates. My husband had been ill for well over nine years, more than that. He got uh, TB after the war, when he was demobbed. He got TB, Mm. and you didn't get a pension those days. No. And we had a real struggle. Mind you, he was lucky. He got cured. There's yeah. an awful lot, didn't that's right. of TB. But he got cured. There was
1: a lot of it then, wasn't there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He got cured. And the only thing I could think of, if I could get him to the Isle of Man, he'd be all right. Yeah. So we sold up every little bit of things mm. and we made for the Isle of Man. Yes. And that's when we came over. Right. And we were over here till he died. I had a good husband, really good husband. Only two kilos a day. When he came over here, he'd got diabetes and he was told he could never work again, so mm. he never worked again. Mm. And we used to get about 4 or £5 pounds on sick pay those days and we'd no money left. There was only him and I then.
1: When I came in to see you this afternoon, one of the first things you did was get out a little photograph album, a very, very old one, of pictures in sepia, black and white... Um, that you took of the Isle of Man. And there are some quite intriguing ones, aren't there, really?
2: Yes. There was one
1: of Port Sodrick. Now, Port Sodrick, I can remember it,
2: was a very, very little, old, worldy place. Mm. And it had a little cafe, right up a kind of a funicular type, up to the top. And on the top of it, it had butterfly cigarettes.
1: A big sign
2: a painted sign across on. across the top yes. of the cafe. And I remember standing below and taking a photograph of it. Come out perfectly. Butterfly
1: brands. cigarettes. Do you yeah. remember
2: state cigarettes?
1: Just about. States. Just about. That was a
2: state in Liverpool. Mm. Oh, if you got a state cigarette, you were it. <laughs> All right.
1: But you never smoked, did you? No.
2: My husband tried to interest me. He smoked from when he was 10. He Mm -hmm. smoked and smoked. As a matter of fact, we liked our men smoking because we felt they were manly. Him in his bowler hat and his nice big overcoat and his cigarette. I thought he was a man, you see. So I suppose to a certain extent, they were encouraged to smoke, really, those days. Mother and Dad both smoked right from early. I remember my husband when he used to come home on leave and we used to talk things over in the bed and he used to say, just have a cigarette with me, love. Go on, just (laughs) have one. And I used to get one, and I used to go, Oh, I don't like the taste of them or the smell of them. And I used to try and have one with him, but I didn't like them, and I never smoked. And I didn't like the smell of his breath with them, neither. I made him take cashews, scented sweets, Mm -hmm. to take the smell away. I couldn't stand the smell of it. I hate it. But I've never stinted my drinks, not even now I'm old. I quite yeah. enjoy my sh- sherry. Oh, I. And right. a drop of brandy now and again. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Just a change. Yes,
1: that's right. You're an absolute whiz on the computer, mm-hmm. but you didn't start doing that till you were what? You...
2: 91, I think.
1: What got you going with that then?
2: Well, because I wanted to do something at night. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go out at night. So I went to this class at the Queen Elizabeth, you see. Oh, I did enjoy myself. It was lovely. The you... girls so nice to me, too. They lovely girls. I only was there one whole term, like, and then I went in for this exam, got a distinction, there's my certificate, I'm very proud of that, because I haven't got many
1: certificates in my life. How much do you use the computer then?
2: Oh, every day. I now type the letters to my family because my writing is going a little bit wiggy-waggy, I can't write nicely now, so... Yeah. And when anybody annoys me, you know, in one of the firms or something, I like to write a nice, snotty letter to them.
1: <laughs> I really can't believe that you're as old as you say you are, you know, but you showed me your birth certificate, didn't <laughs> yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, I love that
2: birth certificate, <laughs> because, you know, I do really. <laughs> because imagine keeping it all these years. Yes. It's been patched and patched <laughs> and patched, hasn't it? You can hardly read it.
1: But you've also been typing out your memoirs, haven't
2: yes. you? Yes, yes.
1: I think we ought to have a little look at a page or two. Maybe you read a page or two of them for me, would you?
2: One morning, I w- woke up feeling very grotty, not ill, but I felt that nobody loved me and I wasn't liked, etc., etc., etc. The doctor had ordered me some tablets, yeah. and they were a mauve colour and they were heart-shaped. And uh, we used to call them my purple hearts. We didn't know those days they, that they were a drug. And as soon as I'd had those pills given me. I was top of the world. I was fine. (laughs) I was fine. Gradually, I felt myself again. By then, it was holiday time, and we started to prepare for two weeks' holiday in the Isle of Man. I was my usual self for quite a little while, and then I suddenly felt rotten. So I went to the chemist to get some Purple Hearts, you see. And he said I would have to get a doctor's prescription. However, I went to nearly every chemist in the Isle of Man to get these tablets, and wherever I went, they said, oh, no, they'd been taken off the market. Mm -hmm. They were called Purple Hearts and had been an American invention. However, I never again got the uplift from those purple hearts (laughs) Well, we've had such laughs over them these days yes when i took drugs (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know i was taking
1: drugs now this computer then is is your life to some extent i love
0: it i really do i think it's wonderful the inspirational mrs leonora smallwood proving that it's never too late to learn a new skill even at the age of 91 My main guests tonight have one thing in common. Neither were Manx born, but both have a deep love and an almost lifelong association in some way or another with the island. For Mabel Bean, known by everyone as Mab, it started with her engineer father's interest in cars. But when David Collister went to talk to Mabel in the summer of 2000, when she was just about to celebrate her 101st birthday, it was her earliest memories that David
1: was firstly keen to hear. What are your first memories of childhood then?
3: I was horribly spoilt, I don't mind telling you that for a time. Very much younger than my brother and sister, you see, so spoilt baby. I was spoilt, always, definitely spoilt. <laughs> now, where did I go to school? I went to boarding school in Buxton, as soon as war broke out. Yes. Now, let me see what happened after that. Well, the war started, of course, after that.
1: The first war? First war. Yes.
3: No, well, I went to boarding school, and the war was on, and I had a, a, something wrong with my throat, and I had to have a, go and have an operation on my throat. Mm. And I refused to go back to school after that, you see. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was first first war.
1: What age would you be then? That was About 16? Uh,
3: my father was in the motor business, you see. I was busy driving, a, I hadn't got a driving license, no, no driving license, you got your driving license from the county, county council, and the man in charge was seeing my father one day and he said, he said, oh, bring me up to the station will you, he hadn't got a motor car of his own, so my dad says, I'm a bit busy, Mab will take you, so as we were going up, he said, how old are you Mab, I oh, I'm 16. he says, good God, you haven't got a licence. I said, no, no, I haven't got a licence. He gave me a licence a year earlier.
1: Oh, right. Have you still got it? Yes. Oh, you've got it here? Yeah. Now, look at that. Yeah, look at that. County of Nottingham, Motor Car Act, 1903, licence to drive a motor car. Miss Mabel Clark, this licence must be produced when application is made for renewal. In the event of loss or defacement, a duplicate can, can be obtained from the council for a fee of one shilling. Well, that is signed by H. Godfrey, yes. Superintendent, yes. Nottingham. Yes.
3: Well, he said what he could do, he said, as long as you're in the county, he said, if you're in any trouble, he said, I could always get you out of it. But he said, you're not in every county, you're all over the place. You see, I was driving this man all over the place,
1: you yes.
3: see. Yes. So he said, you'll have to uh, have a licence. So he sent me the, the licence. Yes. Now I'm going to show you something here first. Now, my father, I told you, was in the motor business. Now, that was the first motor car that he built himself.
1: So your father was Mr Clark. Charlie Clark. Charlie Clark. And he built a car. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't go very far today, would it? <laughs>
3: no, it, it,
1: it would. It, it would if it... It's not much more than a couple of bicycles and a no. seat, is it? <laughs> no,
3: a little, little engine. Yes. Well, he told my mother, he said, look, I'm going to take you to London. in this, you see... So Mother said, well, said, I don't like the engine. Can't you do something about that engine in front, you see? So it's only 144 miles, man, it to London, it was. And so he said, oh, he so says I can make a bonus, something for it. So he covered it up. They had to throw that in the field after the beginning about half an hour because it got too <laughs> got hot, you too see. Hard? Yeah, and he took it to London in that, my father did.
1: Well, of course, we're looking at a vehicle here that's got no cover of any kind, oh, no, has it? no.
3: And, then, and my father kept that old, old relic, and yeah. I used to play with it when I was a kid.
1: He was pretty good then as a, as a mechanic, was oh, he? Oh, he was a marvellous a, man. engineer, really.
3: Actually, he he started making uh, bicycles. And there were motorcars came on the go, you see. He was almost immediately onto it, you see. Yes. Went up to London to see this motorcar, the Albert Hall or somewhere it was held. And uh, it, it was going round and round, you see. And yeah. you could have a ride in it. And so then he comes back and uh, and makes himself one,
0: you see. It was her father's fascination with motor cars that ultimately led to Mabel and her husband Chris moving to the island in the 1960s when they felt that life on the adjacent island was becoming too busy. Mabel had fond memories of many visits to the island with her father for the car racing, and so the island seemed an obvious choice when Chris and Mabel Bean were looking for a more gentle way of life and indeed they moved here in the mid nineteen sixties. But as the years passed, Chris had a word of warning for his wife, which ultimately led to her being the first female resident of Cummelmoor in Ramsey, when it opened its doors in nineteen eighty one.
3: Now Chris said before he died, he said, now look he said, For God's sake, don't don't try to live by yourself. He said, you go and live in a hotel or live somewhere but he said don't try to live by yourself. So I knew this place was being built. So I I rang them up, actually, quite early on, before it was on a halfway Yeah, And they said, well, yes, we'll put your name down and we'll let you know when there's anything there.
1: You were the first resident, weren't you?
3: There was one man with me for two or three days, yes. Choices, bedrooms, everything, you see.
1: Well, you've got the sun all day, haven't
3: you? Oh, it's lovely. So then there was Mrs Hayne came. Oh, and two more men came. So we said, well, we'll leave you lads and go on, get another table at the other end of the dining room, actually. (laughs) Then the first lot of people who came in, were came from Croncroy,
0: because that closed. Memories from Mrs Mabel Bean, the first female resident of Moor in Ramsey. Mabel was talking there to David Collister in the summer of 2000, just a month before her 101st birthday. And finally, with the steam packet being very much in the news in recent weeks, I thought we'd finish with a word from the late Captain Jack Ronan, former master of the old Ben McCree, who was with the Isle of Man Steam Packet Company for over 40 years and died on Tinwell Day this year at the age of 94. Here's Captain Jack chatting with David Collister about an incident that happened whilst he
4: was in New Zealand. Uh, I was in, in Napier, in New Zealand, and I was night watchman, so I had the day off. Slept in the morning, so out the afternoon for a bit of exercise, walk around the town, and I seen a shop, a shoe shop, and it was Collister, spelled with an O. So I, I says, there can't be uh, anywhere else to have a Collister that has got to be Mike. so in, in I, I went and I said I see your name Collister and I said that's very common where I come from I'm from the Isle of Man and with that there was about three of them came from from out from little Bobby Guppy yeah. Isle of Man yeah. they were they were from Port St Mary really? and I knew them one of the amazing things was their uh, father was Richard Callister, who had sailed out of the Isle of Man in ships he had a brother who was master in the steam package Willie Collister but Richard Collister said to me, when I met him, eventually met him, the, the people I met in the shop were his sons, two sons and a daughter. Yes. When I met the father and mother, the mother was a, a cotton from Colby, he was a collister from Portsmouth Mary, and he said that he sailed with my grandfather, Neddy Craven from Craignish, the time my mother was born. And they were in Donnaker at the time when he got word, and they were walking round the harbour there, and Neddy seen... This schooner called the Mabel Annie, and he said, that would be a nice name for the daughter. And my mother said afterwards, fancy calling me after an old boat."
0: <laughs> and with that, it's time to close the archive room door for this week with my thanks to those who contributed and to our archivist, Tim Price, who finds the stories that he hopes you'll enjoy. I'll be back at this time next week, and I hope you'll be waiting to join me at the door to the archive room. But for now, this is Judith saying thank you for your company. And back in the present day, Greatest Hits with Mike Reynolds is next on Your Manx Radio, whilst I leave the last word to another mystery voice from the archives. Look after yourselves, and goodbye, bye, 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 <music> bye.